Uh, last week, we continued with our Back to Basics series, and we focused in specifically on what we are thankful for. So in just a few days, you know we're going to gather around with friends and family at tables to celebrate Thanksgiving Day. And last week, we looked at how thankful we are to be justified by the blood of Christ, and that if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? If God be for us, who can be against us? This week, I want to look at why I'm thankful for the church. Why I'm thankful for the church, and I hope you are too. Before we do that, this is Thanksgiving weekend, or week, it's going to be uh, go into Thanksgiving, and so let's do a little audience participation. John, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful that we can all gather in this church and praise the Lord freely. Amen. Gary, I never really call on you too much. but Thankful for my grandkids. Good. Rudy, what are you thankful for? Thankful for the time with my family. Time with his family, that's good. Perry, I'm going to pick on you a little. Same as Gary. Thankful for my family and my boys and grandkids. I noticed nobody said they're pastor, but that's all right. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> what are you thankful for? I'm uh, thankful for the faithfulness of God. My pastor. That earns points. That's the points right there. Mel, what are you thankful for? Uh, Samuel. Samuel. Awesome. Mikey, what are you thankful for? Sports. <laughs> it's a legitimate answer. He's, he's, Steve, what do you think? For my health, for my family's health. I'm thankful that God cares about the little things. He's given me a couple jobs that I really enjoy um, in retirement, and I just thank him and praise him for it. Peg just grabbed that microphone. She had, she had some thanks. That's all right. Louise, what are you thankful for? I'm thank you, thankful for salvation and just the love of my friends and family. And pastor. Yeah. Hey, and pastor. That's all right. I'm not going to go over everybody. Hey, Alex, what are you thankful for? What? Everything. That's, that's a good answer. How many are, are thankful this morning? I'm thankful for the church. And when we speak about the church, let's remember we can speak about it in two ways. We can speak about the worldwide church, and we can speak about the local body, right? How many are glad to be part of the worldwide church? Amen. How, how many are glad to be part of the local body? Amen. Before we get into the crux or the whole of the message this morning, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this series that we're in about getting back to basics. What does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to be a believer in Christ? Lord, I pray that you would move upon our hearts, that you would move in our spirits, that you would cause us to action in our lives for you and for your greatness. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we spoke and 
a lot of it wasn't in my notes, but we got into it anyway, about how we, as a body of believers, not just uh, the local church, but the worldwide church, we are part of a spiritual family, right? You are my brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's what we say. That's my brother. That's my sister. There's an acknowledgement of kinship. What we do or what we go through together, how many know, we go through it as a family, and so how many know when your physical family, like your brothers, sisters, your physical family, when they're going through something, a lot of times you're going through it too. Maybe not to the same extent, but you're going through it too. It should be the same with our spiritual family. It really should. My heart hurts for Kelly's family this morning. My heart hurts for what they're going through and, and, and the struggle and, and having gone through COVID and all the different things that it's related to. I, my heart hurts for the Hanson family, for the Brevik family this morning. Why? Because we are spiritually connected to believers who are hurting. We are spiritually connected to believers. It's too often, and I really do believe this to be true, and it's a sad thing, that we cut ourselves off. Very sad thing. We have a baby crying in case you can't hear it online. It's too often that we cut ourselves off from the hurts of other believers. How many know that it's easy? Yeah. He's, he's upset. He doesn't like this either. How many know it's easy to just kind of shelter yourself away? It's easy to go and hide in your corner or go and take up your personal space. It's too often that we cut ourselves off from the hurts of other believers. And we can sometimes become callous towards the valleys of other Christians. And sometimes it's for these reasons. Sometimes because we're too busy dealing with our own valley. We're going through our own stuff. We're going through our own circumstances, our own trials, our own tribulations. And I can't worry about you right now. I have to focus on me. And sometimes that's a valid reason. Sometimes you need to be healed before you can bring healing. Amen? It's healed people who bring healing. I like what one pastor said. It's healed pastors who heal churches. Then there are other times where we become callous to the valleys that other people are going through because we have stopped caring for those who we call a part of our family. Because we have stopped caring for those who are in the family. We, we may not know their names. How many know? We don't know all the believers' names out there. But when a part of the church is hurting, we should all be affected by it. So a few weeks ago, we had you all stand up, and all the people on this side of the church went to this side, and the people on this side went to this side, and we got to interact a little bit more together, right? We got to fellowship a little bit more together. And so even though you may not know their names, some of you don't know who Kelly is or you don't know who Leah is or the, who the family is, but because they're hurting, you're hurting too. Because you're part of the body. The Bible has many references to the church as a whole, and many times it refers to us as the body of Christ or that we are a body of believers. Romans 12 verse 5 says this, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members, one of another. How many know that when just the smallest part of your physical body hurts, 
your whole body hurts. How many ever smash your thumb with a hammer? How many ever stub your toe? Oh my goodness. I, was, I, I went into the bedroom probably a week and a half ago. No, this is probably a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure. I walked in the bedroom with no socks on, no shoes on, and I thought I had died. I thought I had been shot or something. I stubbed my toe to such a degree. I mean, I, I yelled. I probably, I woke Jackie was sleeping. And I was like, oh! I didn't fall to the ground, but I came close. When a small part of your body hurts, the whole body hurts. How many ever had a toothache? When you have a toothache, man, your whole body hurts. A headache, sinuses, doesn't matter. You smash your thumb with it. It doesn't matter what it is. When one body, one, one piece hurts, the whole body hurts. The rest of the body feels that pain. As the body of Christ, are we aware of the pain that's happening around us? As the body of Christ, as believers, as those who I call my brothers and my sisters. I used to get really annoyed at that terminology. I don't know why, I just did. I was a kind of a, what's the word? Punk. It's a good word. Uh, where I, went, I went to a church, and they called everybody brother so-and-so. Like every male was brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. How many ever went to a church like that? Like, oh, that's sister so-and-so, that's brother so-and-so. And I went, and I was that's not my brother. I didn't see him at a family reunion. Right? That was kind of my attitude. I was like, that's not my brother. That's, that's, you know, let's call him Alan or whatever it was. And they say, oh, that's Brother Alan. I go, eh, okay, that's not my brother, but God bless you. It was just kind of a, it was an old school thing that they did that I was kind of like rebelling against, and I didn't want to do with it. But the truth is that we are called brothers and sisters in Christ. That Gary is my spiritual brother, right? Sal is my spiritual brother. Matt? Yeah, spiritual brother. <laughs> Matt knows I'm just playing. We are. We have the same genetic. It's all right. As the body of Christ, are we aware that sometimes our brothers and our sisters are going through it? Are going through pain? Or have we removed ourselves, both spiritually and mentally, from acknowledging that pain? I have to be honest. Unless it is in the news, Unless I see something on Facebook, unless I see something on, you know, Christian news or whatnot, I rarely think about the suffering of Christians around the world. Really. Unless, I just, unless, unless I'm reminded of it. I rarely think about the suffering of Christians worldwide. And I know it's there. How many know it's there? Right? We know it's real. But because we're far removed from it, it always seems like a surprise when we hear about it. In a report from Christianity Today, modern persecution of Christians has hit another record high. It was the same uh, last year, a record high, and the year before, a record high. The report has the number for this year at 215 million Christians being persecuted. It reads this. Christians throughout the world continue to risk imprisonment, loss of home and assets, torture, beheadings, rape, and even death as a result of their faith. You say, wait a second, I, Pastor David, I mean, that's really happening? Yes, that's really happening. Just because it's not happening here 
does not mean that it's not happening elsewhere, and it also doesn't mean that it won't come here at some point. I know this is heavy, and maybe it's hard to comprehend, but this is real and in-your-face Christianity, right? This is what Christ said, be prepared for. If you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, be prepared for persecution. Because it's happening to everybody around the world or millions of people around the world. Most of us can't imagine this kind of persecution. We don't want to. But just because we live in a small country town and we go to a small country church shouldn't mean that we are removed from the suffering of our brothers and sisters in Christ. How many know that we should weep for them? We should pray for them. Our hearts should be moved for them. Let us never forget that we are connected together. Now, what does that mean? You say, Pastor David, what can I do? Paul, the Apostle Paul, in speaking to the Romans, gives us a few of the marks. What does it mean to be a Christian? If you call yourself a follower of Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, what does that mean? And here are the marks found in Roman, Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 15. It says this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing grace or showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. These are the marks of a believer. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Verse 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Verse 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. How many know that as believers we are called to rejoice and we're called to weep? Rejoice with those who rejoice because sometimes there's things worth rejoicing. How many have been, like, I mean, you, you've had, this, this last year has been a great year for you. Right? If it's been a great year, that's great. We should be rejoicing with you. How many would say this year, last year could have done without it? Could have just written it off. Right? It's been, 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 a, been a time in the valley. Are you aware of the hurts and heartaches? Are you aware of the triumphs, the victories of those we call our brothers and sisters? And because we're brothers and sisters, because we're connected, it makes the victory sweeter. It makes the heartache more bearable. Why? Because I'm connected to my brothers and I'm connected to my sisters. When you look around the church family, how do you see them? It's just, oh, that's someone I go to church with. That's someone who sits in the chairs next to me. Or do I see them as my brothers and my sisters? Some of you have close relationships with your, with your blood family. Really close relationship to my sisters or my brothers. And, and, and you think about the connection that you have, right? Bobby... You're pretty close to your sisters, right? You sure? It's not obvious in any way. But you can tell Bobby and her sisters are very close. 
How many are close to your siblings? Maybe not all of them, but some of them. You're pretty close to your siblings. I'm, some of you aren't. That's okay. Some of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I have uh, eight brothers and sisters. Yeah, there's nine of us. So my parents had nine kids. I'm one of nine. I'm the fourth in line. And there's some that I'm really connected to. There's some that we can have great conversation. We can hang out. We're, they're my brothers, my sisters. And then there's others that I'm not quite as close to. Just a difference in age, and maybe they grew up in the house when I wasn't even living there, and, and you know, all sorts of different circumstances. But when we think about the connection we have with our family, the closeness we have, sometimes it's not even family. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes we see our friends as closer than our actual family, right? And so we call our friends our brothers, our sisters. Are we aware of the hurts and heartaches of our family? Do you pray for them? Do you rejoice with them? Do you weep with them? If not, I would pray that God would bring them to your heart and mind. I pray that you would take time to weep and take time to rejoice, right? Be a part. I, I want to challenge you this morning to be a part of the body of Christ. In the last two years, in the last year and a half, two years, through what we've called the pandemic or COVID, we've gotten out of the habit of being together as the body of Christ, We've gotten out of the habit of coming together on Sundays and connecting with each other in a meaningful way. Be a part of the body of Christ. Luke verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 19 through 21 Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Those who hear God's word and do it. This may seem like a callous statement from Jesus. No, 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 I, I, I don't need to see them. These are my mother and brothers. But he is speaking to the reality of what we are called to in our faith. The reality of what we're called to. I like what David Guzik says about this. He says this. Jesus indicates that his closest family is not his blood, but it's those who are made up of those who hear and obey God's word. We draw close to Jesus by hearing his word and doing it. In doing so, we gain a closer relationship with him than even a normally understood family relationship. I would add this, that we don't just grow closer to him, we grow closer to each other. When we truly get connected to the word of God, we don't just grow closer to him, Right? We want to grow closer to him. Amen? But as we grow in the word of the Lord, we grow closer to each other. 
Why? Because the Bible says that if you're not part of the family of God, you're really not part of my family. That's a hard statement for people to swallow. It's a hard statement for people to understand. I have brothers and sisters, family, blood, cousins, aunts, uncles, that may not be with us in heaven. You say, Pastor David, doesn't everyone go to heaven? No. That's a lie. It's from the pit of hell. No. There are some people who unfortunately pass away outside of relationship with Christ and they are not destined for heaven. They are destined for hell. That's the reality of it. That's the truth of it. You say, well, how could that happen? You just spoke of a loving God. How could a loving God allow that to happen? A loving God gives you the choice. A loving God allows you to make the decision on whether or not to follow him. And those who follow him are called my brothers and my sisters. Why? Because the time is going to come where your blood family will betray you. The time may come where your blood family may deny Christ. The time may come where your blood family, to avoid persecution, will just go along with the crowd. But when your brothers and sisters in the Lord come together, when I have kinship with my brother and kinship with my sister, now we're going through this persecution together. We're going through the victories together. We're going through the valleys together. We're going through the mountaintops together. Amen? Because that's what we are called to do as the body of Christ. You say, Pastor David, I don't know if I can do that. That means you aren't committed yet. Get in your word. Pray. Read your Bible. Have conviction. Well, Pastor David, I don't know if I can do that yet. Get connected with other believers. Come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays when we offer it. Join us in fellowship outside of these four walls throughout the week. Be a part of the body of Christ. In some cases, maybe some of you are wondering, how does this relate in any way to our Back to Basics series? How does this relate to our Back to Basics series? If we went to the FCA website, it would read this under our next study point. Go to the next slide. It says this. We believe that the prime agency for the work of God's kingdom is the Christian local church functioning under the sovereignty of our Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill the great commission of preaching the gospel to make and baptize disciples of all nations. The church has been entrusted with the ordinances, not the sacraments, of the believer's baptism and the Lord's Supper. What we believe in praying for and studying over this message, I began to recall all the blessings that have been in my life because of this church. Because of you, my brothers, and my sisters. My family, my wife is serving in children's right now. My daughter's probably in the nursery or something right now. We are so grateful to those who show grace, compassion, appreciation, not just during, you know, Pastor's Appreciation Month, but throughout the whole year. You guys are graceful. You're merciful. 
even when I put my foot down my throat. How many remember uh, you guys uh, last week? I was talking about my wife. And I said something. I basically made it out that, that she worries a lot. And I don't because I have faith in the Lord. Yeah. Don't think I didn't hear about it afterwards. For more than just my wife. <laughs> now, of course, I told my wife, it's hyperbole, it's exaggeration for a fact, and she understands that. But you guys are pretty merciful about it. You kinda, we kind of laugh about it and rib me about it, and that's okay. I, I have no problem with that. Why? Because we're family. That's okay. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that I'm like put up on a pedestal to where I can't be taken down a few notches every now and then. Amen? Sometimes that's how it has to go. I am privileged to be the pastor at this church. In his series entitled View from the Pew, I like that, it sounds funny, Lance Wallace outlined some reasons we should be grateful for the local church body. I wanted to share just a few of these with you today. The first reason we've already covered thoroughly, but it's always good to be reminded that the church provides this. Number one, support during crisis. Support during tragedy. As a church, we want to be there for each other. Amen? Listen, you're not going through this alone. Amen? I think sometimes we have to be reminded of that. Whatever you're going through, whatever the tragedy is, whatever the chaos is in your life, you're not going through this alone, Rhonda. Why? Because we have church family. I hope there's people calling you. I hope there's people checking in. I hope there's people saying, hey, we've missed you. Where have you been? We don't want to hound you, but we want to let you know we love you. Right? Why? Because we are family. We're connected. It's an interesting thing. I went to a uh, family reunion. And how many know if you go to a family reunion or something happens where you have a whole bunch of family you haven't seen in a long time, you don't know if you're related to them or not right? You haven't seen them in a long time. You have no idea what they look like. They could be a second, third cousin. You have no idea who they are. We had a uh, family get together. It was like a, what we call a cousin's party. A cousin's party at my house. So we're nearing the Christmas season. So uh, around the Christmas time, my mom would always do a cousin's party. And this was like cousins, second cousins, third cousins, whatever. If you're a part of the family, you're invited, Okay. Half the time, we had no idea who these people were. They would walk through the door and be like, yeah, we're your cousin. We're related. And I'm like, okay. Haven't seen you in a long time. Don't recognize you. That's how it goes. Uh, we had a person come into the party, uh, a woman, a middle-aged woman that had, uh, she had a dish with her. She was ready to party. So she came in with some food, and she sat down. And there's a ton of people there. I mean, it's, it's jammed at my parents' house during this time. And she starts to look around. She doesn't recognize anybody until she sees my brother. And she looks at him. My brother's name is Andy. And she looks at him and says, Andy Hovinga? And he says, Principal so-and-so? It was his principal. She said, what are you doing here? He said, this is my parents' house. This is a party for our family. And she goes, oh, no. Because we didn't know she wasn't related, 
when she opened the door and said, hey, I'm here for the party, we said, yeah, come on in. We had no idea. She was supposed to be at a, house, a party two houses down. And she just, she went and didn't know. Sometimes when we see brothers and sisters we haven't seen for a long time, it's hard to recognize them as brothers and sisters. Right? When we haven't seen somebody for a long time, sometimes it's hard to recognize them. We want you to know that we want to go through it with you. Don't withdraw. Don't stand back. We want to go with you together. We want to go let you know that you are not going through this alone. When tragedy strikes, truly, we, we as believers can look back at Romans 12 and we can weep with you and we can bless you and we can contribute and we can pray for you and we can love on you. Amen? How many know we're called to love on each other? How many know sometimes that's a little bit of tough love? Right? If you have a parent, if you are a parent or you have a parent, you know that sometimes you need tough love. Right? Just a whack with a ruler or something. Really? Everybody's going, oh. I didn't say a belt with a buckle on it or something like that. Even though that's what some of you need. Come on. How many know we are not going through this alone? Amen? Amen. Number two, I want to go back to the reasons to be grateful for the local church. Number one, support during crisis. Number two, harmony despite differences. We're not all the same. How many know siblings fight? How many know uh, sometimes there's a squabble every now and then? How many know that as a, I mean, a brother and sister, they can just tick you off? They can push your buttons like nobody else. How many ever went on a road trip with brothers or sisters and they just annoyed you? Jonathan, did that ever happen? Those he's pointing at, oh, he's pointing at Joshua. I don't know. How many know when somebody ticks you off, when they're your brother and sister, what do you do? I, what? Say punch him? Is that what you said? No? Freak out on him? That's always a fun option. Uh, Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. So we're called to be, I know, it doesn't always work out that way, right? We're called to be gracious. We're called to be merciful. We're called to look at the faults of each other and then look at the mirror and look at our own faults. And go, man, just like I have to put up with them sometimes, they have to put up with me. And so we show grace to each other. Another reason to be grateful for the local church is this. The local church gives you and me an opportunity to serve. How many know if you don't serve, you're not invested? If you don't serve, you're not invested. I like what uh, this one pastor said. He said, without my church's frequent and repeated calls to action, I would be more self-centered and without purpose. Serving brings me hope and lets me see God at work in and through me. You say, Pastor, I just want God to use me. Serve. I just want God to use me. Well, what they mean a lot of times is they want... They they wanna they wanna speak. They wanna be up front. They wanna they wanna be in the spotlight. Can I tell you something truthfully this morning? It's not all it's cracked up to be. 
Sometimes you just want to step out of the spotlight and just serve, just humbly. I was talking to a pastor the other day, or this is, I say the other day, but it was probably a couple weeks ago now. And we were talking about, man, what a, what a vacation would look like. And I said, honestly, I would love for me, and this is just for me, this doesn't have to be the same thing for you, but I would love and go take like two weeks, take a month, and just go serve at like a, a, an orphanage in Mexico. Or just go serve at, at an orphanage in in Zimbabwe. Just get to know a culture and a people and love and a culture and people and, 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 and not have the same, have the language barrier and everything. People, listen, there can be a language barrier, but most of all, people understand that you love them. Right? People understand a hug. People understand a handshake. People understand a smile. People can understand service. And I think, man, that would be so refreshing. Like, just to get out from and I don't mean to make this sound the way it sounds, but just as a vacation, just to go and serve. Just to go and be among a people. How are we serving one another in the church? The Bible says in James, don't be deceived in just hearing the word. Do it. Right? It's a call to action. It's a call to investment. Where you're not invested, most of the time you leave. The statistic that's most common in the church is this. 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Now it varies. It could be 15 20%. But let me tell you, I hate that. I hate that statistic. Why? Because it burns people out and it makes others lazy. The ones who are doing all the work, they get burned out. The ones who aren't doing anything, it makes them lazy. How can you serve? In this church, how can you serve? In the body of Christ, how can you serve? There are so many ways. We have children's ministry. It's for some, not for others. I get it. Right? Gary, you want to serve in children's ministry? Barely. Ah, praise. That's a good answer. Barely. Nursery ministry might be a little more fun. Right? Youth ministry. You want to serve in youth ministry? See Jonathan. It'll be a good time. Our sound and music team. Give them a hand for what they do. Man, they, they, there's so many opportunities we have to serve. And I know you can't do anything, but I also know you can do something. Amen? We can't do all things, but you can do something. Help move chairs, something. Amen? Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. Irene, be quiet. I'm just kidding. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. When you serve, you are glorifying God. Amen? Amen. Sal, she doesn't have to leave. I'm just playing. You can have her back there just smiling at me. That'd be good. I want to ask you this honestly. Is there a need that you say, I can, I can fill that? 
It's, I'm not asking for raising hands or anything like that, but when we look at the church, when we look at music, media, sound, youth, children's, when we look at those things and say, you know what, that's something I can help with. That's something God's laid on your heart. If you see a need you can fulfill, let us know. One of the reasons I'm grateful for the church, number four, not just an opportunity to serve, but an opportunity to give. An opportunity to give. Serving requires your time. Giving requires your resources. Serving does. It requires your time. And how many know time is precious, right? Giving requires your resources. It seems like during this time of year, people are more willing to give. We had an awesome response to the uh, Operation Christmas Child boxes. 106 boxes that are going out around the world because of this church. There's another church that gave 107 boxes. Next year, I'm not saying that's the best, like, uh, uh, that's the best motivation, but hey, if it works, then I'm okay with that. But how many know, we're, we're, uh, this time of year, we're starting to get into Christmas. We start to get into that Christmas spirit, and we, st- we become more willing to give. So we do Operation Christmas Child. We do shoeboxes. We do maybe a dollar or two for the Salvation Army bell ringers, right? But don't let it be just in this season. Let it be your life. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I can tell you firsthand that the most generous people I know are also the most incredibly blessed people. Not just in finances, but life in general. So in blessing others, they're also being blessed. And of course, you know, there's a great, you know, there's great charities and organizations out there to give to. But the church, and I want to say this carefully, because there are great charities and organizations out there to, to volunteer at. But to serve in the church gives you an opportunity not just to impact people's lives, but to impact their eternities. We're not just going for the temporal. We're going for the eternal. Amen? We believe, according to Scripture, that people in this church should give with a cheerful heart. Amen? We don't give out of manipulation. We don't give out of uh, compulsion. And so I want to encourage you this morning in this. Search your heart. Just you, yourself, search your heart. Does it hold tight to your resources? Does it hold tight to your stuff? Or does it search for ways to bless those around you? Now, I want to say also, this church is beyond blessed. We are blessed by the giving of this church and by you recognizing the call, the opportunity to give. Thank you for that. It's a blessing. Number five. This is going to be the last one. Reasons to be grateful for the local church. It's not just an opportunity to serve. It's not just an opportunity to give. It is an opportunity to grow. One of the main challenges in preaching is knowing who you're preaching to. It really is a challenge because you don't know if we have mature believers or immature believers what we call baby Christians or, or uh, new Christians. 
And so in preaching, it's, it's got to be a mixture of milk and meat. So there's some people who can take the milk and some people who can eat the meat, right? The messages preached off of this stage are meant to encourage you and to challenge you, to teach you and to help you grow. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says this. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's what, that's what the goal of the preacher is. That you would be filled with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is the hope that we have for you. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers, listen to this, partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. The heart of the leadership of this church is to see you grow. One pastor said this a long time ago, and when he did, I grabbed a hold of it. He said he wasn't so worried about having a big church as he was about having big people within the church. He wasn't so worried about the numbers of who came through the doors. He was worried about the maturity level of those who came through the doors. He wanted people to grow in their faith, to be mighty men of God and mighty women of God. People that give their time and energy and resources. Listen, the leadership of this church are people that give their time, energy, and resources for you. We hurt when you hurt. We rejoice when you rejoice. It pains us when we see you struggling in your faith and brings us joy to see you growing in your faith. To be a part of the local church is for you and me an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to give, and an opportunity to grow. Amen? How many want to say amen this morning? Stand with me this morning, will you? How many are grateful for the church? How many are grateful not just for the local church, but the worldwide church as a whole, our brothers and our sisters, right? Those who we can lean on, those who we can call on, those who we can rejoice with, those who we can weep with. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we come to you believing that you've called us to a local body, but we are part of the worldwide church. We are connected to those who are not just in the mountaintop and in victory right now, but we are called to those who are suffering for the cause of Christ. We are called to those who are hurting because of the persecution. Lord, we ask that you would bring comfort to the loved ones. Give us the same courage that they have to stand up for our faith. And if it's required, Lord, give us the courage to give our very lives. Lord, I thank you for Calvary Gospel Assembly. Lord, I thank you for its leadership and for the people who call this church home. Lord, help us to love each other, to serve each other, to give all we can, to grow in our walk with Christ. 
Lord, help us to be a comfort to those in pain and to be an example of the light of Christ in a world that's covered with darkness. Lord, I pray over those who can hear my voice this morning. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, and I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember, there's no church this Wednesday night, but we pray that you are blessed with your families on Thanksgiving. Have a great time, and we'll see you next week. God bless you.